today just like the Edomites have is that the biggest issue that we have in our own lives is ourselves like each one of us is proud we have pride struggles and each one of us our own feelings of selfishness and self-worth is bubbling up in each one of us but the problem is is that pride leads to judgment not only for the Edomites but also for you and I Today's message takes us to the Old Testament book of Obadiah. Pastor Daniel will share with us the sad but powerful message of how pride can be the downfall of an entire nation. The Edomite people turned away from God and turned away from helping their brother nation, the Israelites. We need to learn from their story. Pride is destructive in lives today and blinds us to the truth of Jesus and our need for His love and grace. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Obadiah verse 1 with part one of his message, Wrongs Made Right. So one of the beauties of being a parent is, of course, the fact that you get to name your kids. And I'm one of those people where, like, to me, that's just like high comedy time, right? Like, you can name those little people anything that you want. And like, I think for too many of us, we just settle so easily. You know what I mean? You just think, well, okay, baby name, well, you know, you got, you know, and you, of course you go to the Bible, but you go to the safe Bible names, right? Like you got John and you got Matthew and you got Mark and you got Luke and Paul and Daniel, you know, but there's all these other great names that people don't get at. So for me, of course, when it came time to have babies, and listen, if you have one of those plain Jane kind of names, not really knocking you. I definitely have one. But when it came time to have babies, I thought to myself, man, we're going to like, we got to live this thing up. We only get one go round at this. So let's have some fun, you know? And I always joke, and it's not really a joke because I've always wanted to name a kid Jehoshaphat. I've tried. I've tried, you know? And Lynn just is so stiff-necked, you know? She's just like... <laughs> but sure enough, when we found out, when we first got married... We found out that we were having a baby, and we found out he was going to be a boy. And I said right away, I'm like, his name needs to be Obadiah. Obadiah. Most people don't even realize that there's a book in the Bible called Obadiah. It's one of those five little books in the Bible. We're doing this series, Little is the New Big, right? And so you have like Jude and Second John and Third John and Philemon, who we studied recently. And then, of course, in the Old Testament, you have one little book, the book of Obadiah. So... In a moment, I'm going to have you turn there because that's the book that we're going to take today. But, you know, the downside for my kids, of course, other than that fact that I'm their dad, is the fact that I'm a pastor. And so kid analogies come very easily because I have so many of them and the kids are so fun. And, but I have a tendency to tell stories that are either really funny because it's fun, you know. I have a tendency also, like, I don't want to be like the braggy dad, you know what I mean? Like, especially because I got the, the microphone and... So I have a tendency not to share like the really beautiful things. I have a tendency to share the funny things. And when you have kids, 
you know, you always kind of figure out what you want your kids to be like, right? You have this idea in your mind. And I remember, you know, especially as a pastor, you know, we got really nervous right away when we found out we were having kids because one, like you hear these horror stories of pastor's kids, you know what I mean? And some of you were those, you know, where it's like all of a sudden, you know, because daddy's a pastor, now all of a sudden, like everyone expects you to like only speak when you're spoken to and you have to quote the Bible, long passages in the King James Bible, you know, and you have to be like four and you have to be like Jesus in the flesh because you're the pastor's kid, you know? It doesn't happen here and I'm so grateful for that, but like along our journey as we've been in different places planning churches, we have those experiences where it's like all of a sudden, like somebody's putting like a trip on our kids that isn't from Jesus. And so we made the first decision right away that we wanted to make sure that our kids didn't hate Jesus because dad was a pastor, you know? And so with Obadiah, we sat down and we said, you know, what kind of a child do we want our kids to be in? And we made the decision very quickly that I didn't want kind of a quiet, wafy kind of a kid. Like, like really like, you know, speaks in a whisper and like, we wanted a passionate child, you know, like we wanted him to be all boy, you know, like, like skin knees and, you know, dirty fingernails, like bringing snakes into the house. We've had that happen in our life where he found a garter snake, he stuck it in his pocket, he came into the house and, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, he pulls it out of his pocket. Hey, I had a snake in my pocket and then squeals and I think it's awesome. You know, it's like we had all that. But we didn't want him only just to be like this dude, you know what I mean? But we also wanted him to be like Jesus in the way that he was compassionate and kind, that he's a thoughtful person. You know, as a parent, when you're raising kids, you don't really know what you're doing. Everybody else knows what you're supposed to do, but you don't have a clue what you're doing, right? And especially the people who tell you how you're supposed to raise your kids, you look at their kids and you're like, yeah, uh, no, you know, <laughs> take your own advice, you know, it's like... But as parents, like, you're trying to do this thing, and you're not really sure. And the beauty is, is that, like, and, and those of you who are parents, you know what it's like, because they might do good for, like, a week or a month, or, but then, like, how are they going to be when they're 40? You know what I mean? Like, you don't know what the long... So everyone's kind of shooting in the dark a little bit. The Bible gives us some stuff. But just this year, we got one of those gifts from the Lord about our son, Obadiah, because he just graduated. He's going to be going into fifth grade. So in the fourth grade class here at Cornerstone, where our kids go to school, they have this Christian character award that comes out, and they give them every month. And for one of the months, Obadiah's teacher, Ms. Solshai, decided that instead of her just giving the award, she was going to actually ask the students, and the students can vote for somebody for the award. And they had to vote for the student and why. It was beautiful because we found out on Thursday that Obadiah was going to be getting the Christian character award for courage. And so we're like, oh, cool, cool, you know, but what we didn't know was the circumstances around it. And when we went to the assembly where they were giving this out, Mrs. Solskjaer said, so normally I just give out the award to who I think should get it, but for courage, I wanted the kids to vote. And so we asked all the kids, who do you think should get the Christian character award for courage and why? And she said that when she got all the names in, there was one student who got a lot of votes for it. And the reason was, is for reasons like, well, when somebody was hurt, that student would stop and care for them and pray with them. Or if something was going on where somebody wasn't being treated the right way, the student would get involved in it and try and make things right. And so she's like, so I'm really happy that, you know, for the Christian character War for Courage, it's Obadiah Fusco. You know, and I had this moment where I was like, wow, like, like my crazy son who's got skin knees, he's all mangled up dirty, like you got to hose him off four times a day. You know, it's like he's a compassionate guy. And I don't say that, you know, like, I love my boy. He's an amazing kid, you know, but I was so blessed by that. And the reason I bring that up, you might be like, well, that's a great story, Fusco. Now, don't think he's perfect, but I share that because 
We named our son Obadiah because I love the name. And he is living out the exact meaning of the book of Obadiah. Remember I told you when we were studying Philemon, I said, I've never met somebody who has like a memory verse from Philemon or my life verse is Philemon verse five. It's funny, after the services last week, I had two people come to me. One person said, I do have a verse memorized in Philemon. And one other person said, someone once quoted me something out of the book of Philemon. So out of a church of like four or 5,000 people, we had two people, you know? But what's funny is I've never once met someone who can quote the book of Obadiah either. I've never met someone who said, my life verse is Obadiah verse this. And so we're going to be studying today the book of Obadiah. So I want you to grab your Bibles. I want you to open it to the book of Obadiah. And everyone's like, I don't know where it is. So there's a table of contents in the very first page of your Bible. Now, I'll get you there. I want you to get, and for those of you who are part of our online audience, make sure you open up another browser window. Just type in Obadiah. So the book of Obadiah is in that last section of what we call the Old Testament, everything before the four gospels of Jesus in the New Testament. There's these 13 prophets. They call them minor prophets because they wrote shorter letters than the major prophets who wrote lots. So they're minor in, they just, you know, they're using economy of language. And so the book of Obadiah sits between the book of Amos, which is a book of about nine chapters, or it is nine chapters, and then pretty much the only minor prophet that anyone really knows, and that's the book of Jonah. Everyone knows Jonah because of the big fish in the whole story. So Obadiah sits between Amos and the book of Jonah. Now, the reason we named our son Obadiah as well is because of what the name Obadiah means. So most people, when they pick names for their kids, they say to themselves, well, my last name is this, and I like the way the flow of this name goes. And so, but the name Obadiah, it's literally two Hebrew words that are put together. Eved, which means servant or worshiper, and then Iyah, which is of God. So the name Obadiah literally means the servant or the worshiper of God. And I don't know about you, y'all are Obadiahs too, I hope. Amen? All of us should be servants, worshipers of God. We should see ourselves in such a way that we realize that our lives, we're meant to serve the Lord. We're meant to worship the Lord. That's what we were created to do. So you can look at the person next to you and say, what's up, Obadiah? Look at the person on the other side and do it like Annabelle. Obadiah! Go ahead. That's my favorite thing. Little Annabelle sees too, and she sees Obadiah. She's like, Obadiah. You know, she got these big brown. That's fun. Anyway, okay, let's jump on in. And what's beautiful about this, I'm going to get going. I'm, it's so hard not to just preach about my son the whole time. When Obadiah was born, he came out, like, and he had, like, muscle definition. Definitely didn't get it from my side of the family, you know? And, like, when he was, like, three or four months old, he'd, like, we'd hold our fingers. He'd pull, he'd pull himself up, and he'd go like this, and he had so much energy. So, like, when Obadiah was born, he came out, like, he's this energizer bunny. And in a lot of ways, the book of Obadiah is the same way. It just, like, kind of drops you right in to this whole thing that's going on. So look what it says. In the book of Obadiah, in verse 1, it says, The vision of Obadiah, thus says the Lord God concerning Edom... We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise, and let us rise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be greatly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high. 
You who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you ascend as high as the eagle, and though you set your nest amongst the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. If thieves had come to you, if robbers by night, oh, how you would be cut off. Would you not have stolen till they not had enough? If grape gatherers had come to you, would they not have left some gleanings? Oh, how Esau shall be searched out. How the hidden treasures shall be sought after. All the men in your confederacy, verse 7, shall force you to the border. The men at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. I told you, it starts like a shot, right? Now, what this teaches us, and this is really important, is that judgment is coming. That judgment is coming. You know, that's not a popular idea today, but it's important to realize that judgment is coming. See, the prophet Obadiah, he is a prophet of judgment. He's saying, listen, there is judgment, it's coming. And the judgment that is coming is coming to a nation that is named Edom. Now, Edom is an alternative name that is derived from the brother of Jacob, whose name was Esau. Now, you remember Jacob and Esau, they were twins. Jacob and Esau, they were even battling one another in their mother's womb. Now, what's funny is I'm a twin, so I always think about that, like me and my sister Jody, like duking it out, you know? But when Esau was born, they named him Esau because he was hairy, you know? So I just always imagine Esau coming out, like, with a full, you know, like hipster beard, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't say that. But what's interesting is the name Edom, it literally, the word Edom literally means red. So he came out looking like the, the Burger King mascot guy, you know? Like the whole, I always wish I, w- I had a red beard because then I could be a pirate, I'd be red beard. But anyway, no? Okay. You'll get it later. Like, oh, yeah, red beard, I get it. Anyway, you're like, no, I got it. It's just not funny, Fusco. Anyway. You can read about the whole Esau-Jacob situation in Genesis chapter 25 to 36. That part of the book of Genesis tells the whole story of these twin brothers, Jacob and Esau, the children of Isaac and Rebekah. We find in Genesis 25 both the birth of Jacob and Esau and how Esau sells his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of beans, bowl of porridge. In Genesis 27, we find out about how Jacob steals Esau's blessing with the help and planning of his mom, Rebekah, and how Jacob has to flee because Esau wants to kill him. You find out in Genesis 32 and 33 how Jacob has to return and meet his brother again, fearful that his brother is literally going to kill him. And then you get the whole genealogy, all the, the generations of Esau. I mean, you have a, you know, a chapter in your Bible, Genesis 36, talks about that. And if you read through your Bible, and specifically in the Old Testament, what you find is that the name Esau or Edom keeps popping up all over the place. Like even when the children of Israel, when they're leaving Egypt in Numbers chapter 20, the Edomites won't let them go through. 
So this is a family struggle that's going on here. And so this judgment that is coming on the Edomites, it's going to have to do with their relationship with their brother. Now, what's interesting about this is we get an understanding of why judgment is coming in verse 2. Look at what it says. It says, Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be greatly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who dwell in the cleft of the rocks, whose habitation is high, who say in your heart, Who will bring me down to the ground? Though you ascend as high as the eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down. You see, the problem that the descendants of Esau have is that they're proud. They're, they're, they're puffed up. And you have to realize that pride leads to judgment. Pride leads to judgment. How do I know? Well, Proverbs chapter 16, verses 18 and 19 says, pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. See, the word pride in the Hebrew language, it literally comes from the same word that means to boil water. The idea of it's seething up, it's boiling and bubbling up. And what pride is, is pride is a human condition where all of a sudden the self bubbles up and the self becomes the most important thing. Today, people call it, thanks to Sigmund Freud, the ego. People like to say ego, E-G-O, edging God out. That's what ego is. Ego is when you are so full of yourself that who needs God? And it's all about me. And you know what's amazing is, is the problem that we have today, just like the Edomites have, is that the biggest issue that we have in our own lives is ourselves. Like, each one of us is proud. We have pride struggles. And each one of us, our own feelings of selfishness and self-worth is bubbling up in each one of us. But the problem is, is that pride leads to judgment. Not only for the Edomites, but also for you and I. How is pride impacting your life right now? See, in each one of us, if we're honest, we look at the pride causes all sorts of divisions in all sorts of places in our world. Because what happens is we have a tendency when we're focused on ourselves that we don't see clearly. The self-focus blurs our vision. And you think about, for the Edomites, we're going to see all these reasons why they were proud. We're going to notice where they were living, the relationships that they were having, you know, all the resources they had at their their disposal. There's reasons why. There's reasons why pride gets the best of us. And what's interesting is that not only the Edomites, but us as well, this is the curse of the fall of Adam and Eve, the human condition as we know it. See, remember when Satan came the serpent, and he spoke to Adam and Eve, and he said, look, if you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll be like God, right? And really what he's saying is that by God not letting you eat, God's kind of not taking care of you. Like, he's leaving you hanging. And what happens is, and then they end up eating, and they become self-aware, and that self-awareness brings all sorts of repercussions. See, what's amazing is, is the serpent didn't lie to Adam and Eve. When they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they did become like God. They did become aware of themselves. But you know what the problem is? They weren't God. And so what happens is is the self-awareness 
but they're not God causes all sorts of destruction in the world. And that's the way Satan lies to you and I in regards to our pride. See, it's kind of like, do you ever watch the commercials for the new drugs that are coming on the market? Do you ever watch those things where it's like, you're going bald, take this pill, right? And they go, and then the side effects will be death, vomiting, (laughs) boils on your skin, but you'll have a great head of hair, you know? Like, you ever see those things? It's like, you know, I got this issue, and then all the other issues would be way worse than the issue. Like, I I got toe fungus, but you might lose an arm, but at least you get rid of your toe fungus. You know, and I always crack up when I see those. I'm like, man, this is great. But you know why I bring it up? You know what Satan does? Satan, in stirring up our pride, he tells us what the benefit is, but he doesn't actually tell you what the side effects are. And see, that's the problem. See, because what he does is he's telling you something that you want to hear. Like Adam Eve, like, I want to be like God. I mean, like, I don't want to be missing out on life. But he doesn't ever tell you what the side effects are. So you get hair on your head, but you end up losing an arm or something. Right? And that's the way Satan works. And he works mostly through our pride because we, because of the fall of Adam and Eve, we're focused on ourselves. And we have a self-centered kind of a way about all of us. And There's reasons why. And for the Edomites, they had many reasons why. Like notice, you notice in verse 3, you who dwell in the clefts of the rocks, whose habitation is high, who say in their heart, who's going to bring me down to the ground? Though you ascend as high as the eagles, and you set your nest among the stars from there, I'll bring you down. See, the Edomites lived in a whole region that was, Mount Seir was a part of it. So they had an advantageous place to live. They were on a mountaintop. And in a severe culture, being up in the mountains, you could always see people coming up, right? And so there was the protection of where they lived. And they're saying, oh, I'm up here. I'm fine. Like, I got this made. I'm in a great spot. Some of us, our pride works in these ways, right? Where all of a sudden, you start to think to yourself, man, I got this. I mean, there's no problem. Like, I'm in a great spot. You know, it's all solid right now. Ain't no one going to get to me. But when you do that and you forget God, there's a huge problem. Not only that, they have other reasons why as well. Notice in verse 5, I mean, and really we see the severity of this judgment. If thieves had come to you, if robbers by night, oh, how you will be cut off. Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If great gatherers had come to you, verse 5, would they have not have left some gleanings? He's like, look, the judgment that's coming you would have rather gotten robbed. The robbers can only take what they can carry. And he's like, and if people came and they gathered in your field, they would have left you gleaning so you could still eat. He's like, no, it's going to be worse than that. Notice verse six. Oh, how Esau shall be searched out. How his hidden treasure shall be sought after. Notice in verse seven, part of their pride is in their relationships and their business agreements. All the men of your confederacy, they shall force you to the border. The men at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. See, they had all of these relationships, and they felt like there was protection in the relationships that they had. So not only do you have this ransacking problem, you have this entrapment. They're going to get entrapped by the very people they're linked up with. And in verse 8, it says, Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. Do you see what's going on? See, this judgment that's coming, it's coming for a reason. Jesus is real. 
Pastor Daniel's teaching today brought us to a new book that was written even before Jesus was on earth, the book of Obadiah found in the Old Testament. This is another small book that provides a powerful lesson for us about pride. The Edomites let pride and self-focus lead their lives, and as a result, God was pushed aside. Pride is a far too common sin even today, and we each run the risk of following in the footsteps of the Edomites if we let it get a hold of us. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. God has been doing some amazing things at Crossroads. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is our new campuses. We launched a brand new campus in Southwest Portland. So if you're in the area, I'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship Sundays at 10 a.m. Our online campus is reaching the entire world. And we'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 9, 11, or 1 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at CrossroadsLive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next episode of Jesus is Real Radio. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will talk with us about how our sins do deserve judgment. God has made it very clear in Scripture that we're unworthy of Him because He's perfect. We definitely are not. We're sinful. We allow pride and other ungodly mindsets to cloud our way of doing things, which opens us up to act on our sins. We've strayed far. God has reached out to give us hope through Jesus. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Little is the New Big. Until then, may God bless.